This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's back to Portman Road for two games in four days as Ipswich Town look to restart the winning run by getting revenge against Charlton. This is the Blue Monday podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast discussing Ipswich Town up or down since 2015 i'm richard Woodard, and this is the pre-match show brought to you in partnership with our friends at the greyhound pub in ipswich we're available every week on youtube video and podcast audio and returning to our normal time slot seb how are you seb brown's here how are you mate i'm good thank you back from a lovely couple of days in the the lake district my sister got married uh yesterday so i've had a oh, lovely few days yeah lovely few days up there and i'm back now and the hangover is just kind of there in the, in the back of my head slightly so it's not a full-blown one but it is there slightly so if i come out with more nonsense than normal you have to play <laughs> well that, it took me about twice as long to review your script so that may be of <laughs> that might be why um but yeah doing well and did you were you able to follow the goings on i felt like it was about four podcasts over the weekend i think i was in all of them and you were in half of them yeah it's nice to have a, a bit of breathing room between the matches isn't it i've been honest i've lost track of the days again though i, I didn't re- realize that about midday that today was was thursday again because of the bank holiday and then i'm off all this wow. week so i've Today's lost officially track of everything friday when you think about it i mean the true it's, yes it's not you know, it's not let people peek behind the curtains too much about how, I mean, we could have recorded this at 3am on Friday morning to, you know, as far as everyone else is concerned, but no, we are recording this on Thursday night and yeah, Thursday for the price of Wednesday as I've described it. So yeah, I'll be looking forward to the weekend to bring some stability. Yes. And you'll then, we can do some early spoilers for next week. Are you returning for the Port Vale post-match show with Mikey on Tuesday? Yes, me and Mikey will do our usual kind of hold the fort together for the first 30 minutes and then you'll join in out of breath after your quick march <laughs> up the hill to, uh, to, to to be the eyes from within the ground. So yes, join me and Mikey pretty much on the full-time whistle on Tuesday night and then Rich will jump in after he's got back home to uh, give the real analysis. But yeah, the last of the midweek games of the season is the last of the, the immediate post-match reactions from me and Mikey. Yeah, so join the guys then. We'll tweak details of that nearer the time. But um, so Seb's plenty busy right now, as we all are. It's an exciting time, um, not least at the weekend and the start of two games in a row at Portman Road. But let's deal with next season very briefly, Seb, because talking of Portman Road, it'll have 21,000 season ticket holders in attendance. And it, that's it. No more. It sounds insane, doesn't it? It sounds absolutely crazy. Yeah, they've shutting the, uh, the 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 window to buy the tickets is shut now a day early. It caused a bit of a uh, franticness on our Telegram group with people yeah. wanting to make sure they had actually renewed because there were very few confirmation emails going out there. I must admit, I did check mine and made sure that I had mine in the basket and it was all there, good to go. So yeah, uh, outstanding, isn't it? Absolutely phenomenal. Apparently, it's the highest since the 2002-2003 season, the first year back down after the the relegation where we'd redeveloped the North Stand and the South Stand. And we had 19,000 that year. And yeah, now, I mean, there's there's no guarantee we'll go up. So 21,000 fans have bought tickets with a chance of League One football for a fifth consecutive year next year. It's just crazy, isn't it? Absolutely Nuts. crazy. What did Ashton came out and said he wanted, was it 18,000 this year? I think he said. 
and then he's come out in the in the fans forum and said twenty one thousand. That's a tick. Yes, it's a, a tick on the metrics in that respect. So I yeah, don't know. Crazy. You, you just said the phrase "come out." That's the Sebism. I'm just ticking it off. Oh, I thought you were ticking list. Mark Ashton's KPI number one. Oh well, I could the, do that. I could do the ownership double. group to say there you go. There's there's the twenty one thousand. I promised you. Yeah, one of my sayings is now yeah ticked off. Yeah. The, the Seb Brown pre match bingo card is uh, is one and truly enforced tonight. Yeah. And obviously, people will be looking forward to seeing the players out on the brand new grass as well next season too. So, which is a perk of getting your season ticket. Do we do we like my conspiracy? I know we weren't going to talk about this. My conspiracy theory about why it's been capped twenty one. Do you remember this? Like, yeah, the more I think about it, it does make sense. So you've got this theory that the the, the you would like you said you would sell twenty five thousand if you could for budgetary you could, purposes, etc. The whole place, wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. However, I guess there's part of it they want to keep you know tickets available for the, the the fans that can't come and go all the time and can't afford to commit to season tickets, which is a good thing to do as well. But obviously. You think that the uh, the the gap, the was it nine thousand gap, eight thousand gap between ticket holders versus capacity, is probably to rehouse people like myself who are sat in a rather old stand at the moment, the Cobalt stand that maybe in the not too distant future might be earmarked for some redevelopment of its own. So yes, potentially maybe they're keeping that kind of free, so we can all be shifted somewhere else for a couple of years before we return to our prawn sandwiches and halftime interval drinks and all that kind of stuff. In the in the George Burley stand or whatever they're gonna, yeah. no, they'll keep the cobbled on it though. Yeah, yeah, on. but you got to deduct a few away sports from that as well. But yeah, there you go. There's an in, take it and run with it, folks. Um, I completely made it up, and um, now Seb's peddling it for me even better. It's so. a good. No, it, when you said it, I was thinking nah, nah. But then you think about it logically, and it's where are they going to put those? What is it, six, seven thousand fans? You know, where where could they go? So they do have to keep a, a backstop as a bit of a you know a bit of a backup. Yep. Let's move it on. Um, uh, yeah, ITFC women is interesting. The season obviously coming to a um, slowly reaching its conclusion, given all these rearrangements. There was a false alarm on the rearrangement for the Oxford fixture, the um, cancelled Oxford fixture from a couple of weeks ago. I think Oxford tweeted something they shouldn't have, and there's really fierce negotiations going on there, which is great. I think what Oxford tweeted was that the game would clash with the Fleetwood game for the men's team, and that's obviously not in anyone's interest. So yeah. I think the club are working to avoid that situation. But back to league action after a bit of a break away at Milton Keynes in Stadium MK as well. And similarly, like the men at Stadium MK were looking to be the dominant force in the in representing the supporter base there. So block 20 is where the away fans will be. And if you want to join us, you can get your tickets in advance or any fiver and come and bang the drum with me and, and try and cheer the tractor girls on to a successful end to their season. But um gonna be exciting and very much enjoying heading back to MK Seb. Um having yeah, I wonder. I'll, I'll pick a different. We'll kind of do with it ippy dippy on which of the the chain restaurants we'll go to at the start before the game kicks off. But is the away end the same as the the, the away end for the the men, or will he be in a diff, different part of the ground? The blocks behind the um, what are they called the benches. So okay, right, is behind Goshen and all of the staff that will be on the town bench. So that's so this. There's the MK game this weekend. Then there's a gap, isn't there? Then yeah, the season finishes technically on the 30th. So will they do Oxford that weekend? Or have Oxford got a game that weekend in between the two? Or will they will Oxford become the last day of the, the, the last game of the season and therefore be some sort of mega promotion shootout? Hopefully? It could be. It could turn into that. I, yeah. I think probably there's an issue because the playoff game, I think, is fixed. And that's okay. a state. Ironically, that's a stadium MK as well, which oh, okay. right. you know, it's really helpful having the game there. If if hopefully we end up there, um, it's good re- a good acclimatization for that game. But yeah, I think twenty third for some reason is is vacant for both teams. But Oxford's game midweek game against Watford, which is another top of the table clash, was postponed midweek as well. So Oxford have got yeah. all kinds of congestion going on there, and obviously they want to resist a midweeker. I think we'd be very happy with a game under the lights, but yeah, it's getting tight and you don't want to drag it too far into the end of the season. I think it might end up having to be, okay, but it's not necessarily in anyone's interest, particularly if the Northern division team finishes their season at kind of the end of April, you know, they've they got to hang around, haven't they, before the, the playoffs can kick off. So Precisely. yeah, so we'll keep, keep an eye on that ITFC um, women's official supporters club. And obviously the, the club's outlets are where to pay attention there, but Hopefully see plenty of folk at Milton Keynes. Let me know if you're if you're joining us there. I um, very much appreciate that support. It's two games in two days for me, Seb, because obviously on Saturday 
it's Charlton. Let's talk about Charlton. Remind us, or for the first time, maybe for some folk, tell us where Charlton find themselves in the League One table. So currently sat 10th in the league at the moment on 55 points. They're 13 points behind sick, the, the final playoff position. So I class them as being top of the second tier of League One. We've spoken in the past how, you know, this league is very much a, a league of two halves. And I, I I will crown them champions of the, the second tier of League One. That's where they're sitting at the at the moment. They've played 41 games, won 14, drawn 13, lost 14, explaining exactly why they're slap bang in the middle of mid-table. Scored 62 goals, conceded 53, so the goal difference is, is nine. They come into it in kind of reasonable form, I guess you could say. The last six, so three wins, two draws and a loss. The wins were sides they probably should be. It's Morecambe, Cambridge and that absolute battering of Shrewsbury, which kind of saw Shrewsbury sort of nosedive their form off a little bit of a cliff. And uh, the last time out was a 3-2 win at the Valley against Burton. So the, the recent form going into it is decent. And I guess they probably beat the size they should beat. And I think they lose to the size they should lose to, which kind of explains why they are sat where they are. That form is third best in the league right now, Seb. Yeah, I mean, yeah, still, still a loss yeah. in there, so it's not imperious. Dece- you know, it's, it's decent, you know, <laughs> a, bit, a bit harsh. But There's yeah, but the, the, two teams the, better than them in the form table right now. Yeah, maybe, but the away form isn't amazing. Obviously, it's the away yeah, form that, okay. that comes into play when when we consider this game because they're coming to Portman. Obviously, that's that's for the season. It's twenty four points in twenty games. Played twenty one six, drawn six, lost eight, and the last six there is three defeats, a draw, and two wins, which is only the ninth best. So yeah, whilst their overall form is okayish, the uh, the form coming to Portman Road isn't isn't that amazing, and explains why they're why they're tenth. You know. And a negative goal difference away as well. You talked about plus nine for overall, but away from home, it's a negative four goal difference. Yeah, scored 23 on the road, conceded 27, so a goal difference of minus four. But don't forget that the, the goal difference at the Valley will be massively boosted by that 6-0 shellacking of, uh, of Shrewsbury. Good point. Good point. We always held Charlton up as kind of the, the template of a well-run club, but all of us very much aware of the struggles that they've had off the field, which which seemingly continue right now you we've got some insider information really haven't we from the fans you there yeah i must say a huge thank you to fpl tractor for his help with the with the charlton research i think his better half is a a charlton fan might be a season ticket holder i might have given too much credit there but provided me with amazing insight on players and you know general state of play and feelings around the club so a huge thank you to fpl tractor for the help he's given me this week with the research and yeah we all seen the ownership issues in the past where was it tennis balls were thrown onto the pitch at, at certain points throughout games and thomas sangard is the the current owner i think when you read the things online and talk to charlton fans it's fair to describe him as kind of incompetent rather than malicious or ill-intended you know he's, he's certainly not asset stripped the clubs like we've seen some clubs recently have to go down that kind of uh, that kind of route it just seems that he tends to make sort of a, a bit like Marcus Evans I think you'd probably say you know tends to make poor decisions uh, poor footballing decisions that you know sometimes seem strange from the outside we'll talk about uh, managerial turnover in the last kind of 18 months or so shortly. Um, and yeah, I think just 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 incompetent is probably the best word used to describe them. They've had a few takeover bids mooted throughout the season. The most recent one was fronted by Charlie Methan, who you probably remember from Sunderland Till I Die with the, the bright red corduroy trousers. And he was, you know, wanting to crank What's the up attendance? The... What's the attendance? What's the, the attendance? <laughs> yeah. What's the attendance? What, You're fired. What... Well, we don't know that she got fired for that. It's probably no, not that's true. Dramatic Yeah, I think yeah. editing was done very well there. Um, for the pre-match yeah, music, though. To... You really wanted to crank up the sound system, yeah. Wanted that was brilliant. And the guy saying, "Well, if you if you don't replace the sound system, you won't get anything." And did he say, "I want sort of cool Ibiza club vibes"? Oh, it was brilliant. It was very kind of David Brent esque. He kind of fronted the latest takeover, but that fell through. So they are kind of where they are with the with the ownership at the moment. Yeah, well, we we'll, as you mentioned, we'll talk about the kind of off field decision making and stuff like that. Last season, um, well. Let, should we deal with a few bits and pieces first? Let's deal with the Burton game, the most recent, okay. um, because it scares me what looking at what what Raksaki's doing there. Two of yeah. his goals basically just dribbled around most of the defence and Baller. embarrassed them. And a, and a role in the third goal as well for a familiar face too. Do you want to talk to us about the Burton game and... Do you also want to then go on and we have to deal with the four all? So let's get. <laughs> Do we have to? When I was well. doing the script, I wrote it. I thought we've Ugh. spent that much time, we've committed that much of our lives to discussing this four all game and the ramifications it had for us for the remainder of the season. Do we have to go back over it? But fair enough, we will. So last time out is a three-two victory over Burton at the at, at the Valley. Raksaki scored twice, uh, cutting from the left, a lovely goal for the first one, cutting from the right-hand lovely side, goal. sorry, onto his left foot, sat down two defenders and rifled the ball home. He gets a bit lucky with the second one. It kind of works his way to him off a, off a deflection. And again, he, he fires home. And then, yeah, I think it's his shot, isn't it, that was 
kind of parried. And, and Mr. Bond, Macaulay Bond, two in the last two home games at the Valley, tapped home. And yeah, 59% possession, 14 shots, seven on target, three big chances created. So a decent win for them. But he is very much, Raksaki is very much the, the main man there at the moment. I think he's been nominated for Young Player of the Season, hasn't he? Alongside Humphreys and somebody else. So yeah, he's uh, yeah, very, very good. Yeah, not their player we need to add on that. On as loan well. from Palace. Yeah, which is strange because they're obviously they're rivals. So it's just, you know, a strange, a strange loan for them. I guess obviously Palace's main rivals are Brighton, aren't they? So maybe it's one of those rivalries that's more kind of hatred on, on one side one of way. the Yeah. Yeah. And Raksak is obviously involved in the this game at the Valley as well. Let's do it very yeah, the, quickly. Plough through yeah, it as quick as you can, mate. We all know, for all, the most goals the side has put past us since Makira McKenna took charge of us. The most goals conceded since that crazy 5-2 game against Bolton uh, with Christian Walton and George Edmondson's debut. And it was it was, it was was mental. I've written the word mental <laughs> in the script. I think that's how you describe it. You know, we go 1-0 up. Edmondson, to, uh, John Jules puts us 2-0 up. He then had a really good chance for a header, I think, to make it 3. Someone was blowing a whistle in the crowd. Do you remember when they had to announce it to stop all that? And then Ben Garner gets sent off. They're 2-0 down. He does this weird thing of whipping the crowd up as he's walking down towards the, the touchline. And then Raksaki gets one back. Albie Morgan levels the game. And then we win it, don't we? We win it in the 91st minute with Ladapo with a, a great turn and shot from the edge of the area. Then Morsey puts the icing on the cake. And then I think did certain members of the Blue Monday podcast leave the ground at, at that point thinking it was a job well done. I'm sure Mikey on the flagship said he left at that point to get the tube. And we all know what happens. We, yeah goalkeeping, defensive calamities, etc. Terrell Thomas gets one back on the 96th minute, two minutes after Morsey's put us 4-2 up. And then George Dobson, the defensive midfield sitter, on 99 minutes makes it 4-all. And yeah, once in a 10-15 year kind of game. I remember doing the, the flagship show afterwards. I think we all kind of said, anyway, it won't happen for ages and we'll just get straight back on the straight back on the bus next weekend. But then as the weeks went on and our form kind of dipped a little bit, I remember saying, you know, we, we discussed, had this really messed us up and really knocked our our confidence. What's your memories of it, apart from what obviously what I've just stated, the, the same I assume? Morsey's goal was real. Both Morsey's and Ladapo's goals were excellent goals, but we will never yeah. watch them again. You know, <laughs> yeah. long ranges from the edge of the box, weren't they? And the Dapo's feel, just brilliant. He gets yeah. back to goal, takes a touch, gets it out of his feet, swivels, bang, and yeah. we all went crazy. It was fantastic. Really great goals, but yeah, they'll never see the light of day ever on a <laughs> maybe on a like a niche highlights reel, perhaps. So that was my recollection. But it was just chaos and the defending was really poor. And you know, Cheltenham on Monday kind of rekindled a few of those awkward memories, but we uh I mean and then we had the Cheltenham draw after that, but then got back on track away at Exeter. So I think maybe the the psychological aspect was maybe a little bit overblown, but definitely some lessons that were learned there and hopefully not to be repeated, certainly under the McKenna era going forward. Let's let's drag us back to Charlton and uh, avoid talking about that one any anymore. We mentioned the kind of the managerial merry-go-round situation. Talk to me about last season because my recollection of Charlton last season was that 4-0 victory on the last day of the season, Norwood's yep. last goal, Backinson with the long ranger, sunny, happy days, us all thinking of what might be to come in the 22-23 season. But lots of, yeah, manager in the dugout, he was then relieved of his duties in the summer and he wasn't the only one last season. It's a bit chaotic. Strange. Yes, yeah, so they finished 13th at 59 points. Nigel Atkins is in charge at the start of the year and he gets fired. And club captain Johnny Jackson, legend of the of the club, is kind of given this caretaker role and goes on an incredible run of form. He took 20 points from nine games in his caretaker spell. They obviously make him permanent on this this weird contract that would, it was to the end of the season and they stated it would automatically extend based on, you know, performance in the, well, what, in the league or I don't know what it was, but based on the team performance. And then as soon as he gets the job, he does a Jimmy Bullard and things start to go kind of very wrong and the, the form starts to, to suffer a little bit. And then he finishes the season okay. I think they won six of the last 10 and drew one. So, you know, only three defeats in the, in the last 10 games of the season. But within, you know, days of the final whistle at the end of the season, he is, he is sacked. He's out the out the door, and they go and get Ben Garner from Swindon, who I think bought a couple of players with him, and I think he bought some of the backroom staff with him. So clearly, quite a big kind of investment. Obviously, he was the guy that was in charge for that game back in October, the four-all draw, um, and then he doesn't last that long either. He's gone by before Christmas. So yeah, very very strange. Like I mentioned earlier, we were talking about the owner and about potentially 
what seems strange decisions from the outsiders, you know, as outsiders looking in, what seem to be really weird managerial decisions. There's a few examples there. You know, Nigel Atkins is probably a safe pair of hands. We don't know what the, the ownership want for the club. You know, do they want to be challenging in the in the playoffs? We don't know what the expectations are. I don't know what the budgets are. It's probably top 10, but I think it'd be hard pushed to say it's probably top six, you know, given some of the teams that are currently down here. And it just seemed crazy. Like you said, they were always the model of, consistency you know when Kerbisley was the the manager there they were a club to be admired and they they went to the Premier League and they came back down and they went back up and established themselves and yeah they were classed as a role model for so so long but in the last few years it's really fallen by the wayside the Ben Garner appointment very much strikes me as similar to Paul Hurst Hurst, in that it's a gamble from a lower league manager who's ironically just failed in the playoffs to get his team to the level that you are at but it kind of feels like I'm not saying I'm not re- revisiting the Hurst situation and saying we should have given him more time because that was a failed appointment from day one. But if you're going to go down that route, you at least I think need to commit to it. And things weren't terrible, but they had gone on a slide. But I kind of feel like you needed to give that situation time. But certainly Johnny Jackson didn't do much to merit being dispensed of either f- to, from the outside. Admittedly, he's now at AFC Wimbledon. I think he's yeah. still there. Yeah. So, yeah, weird situation there. But Dean Holden is the man in charge right now, and he's been involved for 20 matches so far. Seb, talk to us about how he's getting on. Yeah, so he took over in December just after Garner leaves. Uh, he's managed 20 games, won eight, drawn four, lost eight, 1.4 points per game, which is exactly what sticks them bang on in, in, in mid-table. When he originally came in, it was a deal to the end of the season, but then last month in March, he penned a longer-term deal to 2026. So I guess we'll kind of see how how far he gets into into that one. He had coaching spells at Oldham and Bristol City. He was Lee Johnson's assistant manager at Bristol City, moved to Stoke on the coaching team and had a spell in charge as part of the caretaker team when Michael O'Neill departed there and playing spells at Bolton, Oldham, Peterborough, Falkirk, Shrewsbury, Chesterfield and Warsaw. So never kind of played in the the highest levels, but he's gone in there. He's done a reasonable job since he's been there and that's what I guess got him that, that longer term extension. But I guess with an owner, a bit like Sandsgaard, you know, you're probably never too too comfortable with those length of contracts given what he's done in the past. Treading on eggshells. I think yeah. appointed by Mark Ashton to be the main man at Bristol City, wasn't he? Was he? Much maligned well, decision, I think. When he got rid of... So would he? Would Nigel Pearson have replaced him, presumably? Yes. Right. Okay. So I think he was appointed at the... Because Lee Johnson went to Sunderland, didn't yes. he? Yeah. So I think he was appointed... At that point, if I'm okay. right, or maybe right. they had a caretaker to the end of, end of season, perhaps. No, no, there was a, there was an internal continuity appointment by Ashton that didn't go down well at all, did it? I think and... it was that. Okay, right. I might be wrong though, but it rings a bell, and certainly I think people accused him of, of it being the low cost option. To be fair, we don't know how much of that was Mark Ashton or how much of that was someone else, but yeah. We we very much know the Bristol City fan concerns or criticisms Mark Ashton's don't win. I think my I'm I'm certain my mind's not playing tricks on me on that one. But anyway, we'll move it on. How how is he uh, setting his Charlton team up, Seb? Well, it's very much normally a 4-3-3. That's what they've used most times. I think they've used that 24, 25 times in the league. So that's their preferred method. However, they went away to Plymouth about six, seven, eight, nine games ago. I think it wasn't. He, very, he changed it to a kind of a 5-3-2 with almost two stay-at-home fullbacks. So the last time they went away to one of the so-called bigger boys in the league, they did do a formation change. So don't rule that one out. But normally it's a 4-3-3. And I guess if you're Charlton at this stage of the season, what have they got? Six games to go, five games to go. You probably are maybe do a bit of experimentation and away from the Valley. Is it a bit easier to do that? I mean, they're on a hiding to nothing on Saturday. They're, they're fans presumably won't expect much at all. So if you've got eyes for next season and you're going to try and mount a, a push to, you know, maybe challenge kind of the, the, the lower echelons of the playoff places, is it a time where you look to maybe kind of swap things around a little bit and it's maybe it's a bit of a free hit away from home. You're not going to get the crowd on your back like you would if you were doing it at the Valley against a team you should probably beat. Maybe it's, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that pressure off attitude might cause them to, to, to change to the 5-3-2 again. It's interesting because I would think the opposite. I think if you are looking to establish a clear way of playing in a, f- a formation, and we know that formations are not always important as, as tactics and approach, I kind of feel like this is the game. Why would you deviate from that, if you see what I mean? So if, yeah. if, if the four at the back, if a 4-3-3 is what he wants to do, I would be looking for any opportunity to play that. And as you say, given the expectation of a result, it's quite minimal if we're, if we're being honest for Charlton at the weekend. 
I kind of don't see the point in deviating from that because it creates uncertainty, doesn't it? It's a different yeah, system okay. for the players. And yeah. I, ideally, you want consistency and familiarity when you're playing one of the better teams in the division. Albeit, it's going to be an interesting game and we'll come on to the stats and the possession and pass completion rates and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. It's going to be interesting to see how they fare. And I also think that a 5-3-2 possibly doesn't suit Raksaki particularly well. I assume no, yeah. he's one of the wide two rather than... Well, you could always do it, inside. yeah. You could make it a 3-4-3, three, three, couldn't you? But you are going to, yeah, he, he's very much the right forward in a 4-3-3 three, three, or kind of a 4-2-3-1. Three, so, yeah, you are going to lose some of that attacking output, aren't you, if you if you naturally have to have him sit sit deeper to try and close out a result. Yeah. Give us some key names to look out for, Seb. So, there's, yeah, I must, again, thank you to FPL Tractor for all these all these names. We've mentioned Raksaki. He's the, the main guy by far. At the back, Ashley Maynard Brewer is the goalkeeper, kind of came in during an injury crisis, but he's kept the number one shirt and relegated Joel Woolacott to the, the bench, the subkeeper option. He's kept four clean sheets in his 21 starts. Charleston, interestingly, have only kept four clean sheets away from home all season. So, it's very much not a side that is built from the back or has a great deal of success, kind of, you know, keeping it tight away from home. So, one to look out for, which which explains my score prediction that we'll come on to at the end of the uh, at the end of the show. Right back is very much up in the air at the moment. Sean Clare is the regular throughout the season, but he's an injury doubt. Mandela Egbo came back from injury and started against Burton last weekend. Todd Kane also came on against Burton last weekend in the right back role. So they're trying to ease those two back into fitness. Stephen Sessignon, one of the many Sessignon brothers, uh, can play left or right. So he's an option that could come in there uh, or he could shift across to the left where they've got a centre-back, Terrell Thompson, currently playing out of position but the, uh, the the name that sort of stuck off the page for me was Michael Hector he's one of the centre-backs there him of the £5 million move from Reading to Chelsea and then a £5 million move from Chelsea to uh, Fulham I think it was and when you did the research, how, how many loans did you find that he had during his career? Fifteen. <laughs> Fifteen Between loans. Chelsea and Fulham, yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. So that must be like, yeah, that must be seven seasons of half and half loans, mustn't it? He must spend until until the January window one club and then get shifted to another. So he's there. I thought that was a bit of a bit of a coup given the kind of history that he's had in the past and Ryan Ennis will be the other centre-back here They're the kind of centre-backs will be pretty nailed on he's made 33 appearances so far this season described as a red card waiting to happen I oh, don't lovely. know if that's through hot-headedness or through you know through through sloppy play etc but keep an eye on that one at the week well let's talk about the referee and his inclinations uh, <laughs> yeah <later on. laughs> yeah uh, let's go through the midfield some familiar names one that I quite like Dobson, you like, don't you? Yeah, always an FM target for me. Um, Okay. But I always kind of had him as a potential future successor to Sam Morsey, but I'm not sure whether he's got the the development in him to be a championship slash Premier League player, but really, I really like him at League One level. Um, and another midfielder who I like as well is Scott Fraser as well. Someone you bloody love. Yeah. He's doing all right, to be fair, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Scott Fraser's finally playing in his preferred. He always said, didn't he, when he was here, I'm not a number 10, I'm not a He's going to be booed forward. on Saturday, I guarantee you. No, yeah. he doesn't deserve that. He's I, gonna, I, know he, I know he doesn't deserve it, and I might give him a ripple of applause, but I reckon he'll get booed. Why? He didn't leave under any kind because of Because I sit in the North Stand, and that's the kind of stuff that we do. No, that would be really... Surely we learned our lesson from Will Keane last, last well, season. Well, as in, like, I'm not saying it'll be like a, the stadium-wide, but I think there'll be people who go, oh, we spent money on you and you should have done better, blah, blah, blah. Even so though I, the poor guy was playing out of position, living in a hotel, yeah. No, I hey, think man, that's very... I, you know me, I, that's, that's, I'm aware of the mitigating circumstances, but I just fear that will happen, and I agree. It's always counterproductive. But anyway, I'm distracting you. Read on. I think it's harsh. He's doing well this season, so he's left of the three-man central midfield, seven goals five assists scored a cracking free kick to open the scoring against child uh, sorry against shrewsbury in the six nil demolition a few a few weeks ago four of those goals and seven of those are uh, sorry four of the seven goals have come away from home so don't be surprised he pops up with efforts i guess he'll want to maybe make a point at portland road after it didn't work out for him here so yeah classy quality player who we didn't see the best of through our own fault i think um but he's doing he's doing decently there for them george dobson like you mentioned is the, the club captain he was appointed captain captain in December when the new manager came in. He's doing well. He's a, he's the sitter. So he'll sit back and let the likes of Fraser and then Albie Morgan that will come on to kind of push on and look to make things happen in the final third. He's averages 64 touches per game, so loves to get involved. They expect the defence to kind of pop the ball off to him. He'll drop deep to pick it up and then look to make right passes out to either flank to Raksaki or to Campbell on the left and look to kind of make things happen. Out of contract in the summer, so somebody might be getting themselves a bit of a bargain. Um, like you said, he might not have the natural ceiling to go higher, but certainly at this level, he's a 
a very, very competent player, a very decent player. Somebody might get themselves a bit of a bargain there. And Albie Morgan is the other one. He'll be on the right side of the uh, of, of the three. He's described as a hard worker. So a bit of a box-to-box option. He's got three goals, seven assists so far this season. And again, having Dobson sit slightly deeper will allow Morgan and Fraser to kind of pop on and, uh, and, and support the striker and the wide players. In the, in the front line, I mean, we've mentioned him so many times. Do you want to give us the stats on, on Ragsaki? Yeah, so 13 goals and six assists. He's got five goals and two assists in the last six games. Six of those 13 goals have come away from home. He's the main man. He's quick. He's direct. He loves to cut inside. He's, uh, yeah, well, he's up against Leif Davis, so I'm not that worried because Davis is, you know, that good. But I'm sure he's capable of keeping him quiet. And I guess the more like Davis bomb on down the down the touchline you can kind of push him back a little bit as well but but no he's a quality player on loan from palace so i assume next year he'll be destined for a championship kind of loan development loan maybe they'll look to put him further up the food chain to sort of kind of see how how good he is you want him do you would you have him next season i'd have him i'd have him yeah yeah i'd also have a look at miles lieburn as well up front seb Yes, he's the main striker. So, son of the club legend Carl Lieburn. He missed the game last week against Burton. Uh, it was on Easter Monday, wasn't he? He missed that game uh, with a knee problem. He said he's got an outside chance, so I'd imagine he'll probably come back in. He's doing all right this season. 11 goals, two assists. Five of the 11 have come away from home. So, yeah, he's uh, he's doing decently there. He's, he's the main focal point in the 4-3-3. And on the other side, Torres Campbell... Yeah, not the Stoke guy. Um, same very highly rated player at Stoke with the same name. He's, a, he's an academy uh, breakthrough prospect in his first season. One goal, one assist in 10 appearances. So the vast majority of what they do will come down that right-hand side through through Raksak. And a couple of, well, certainly ITFC alumni from last season are in the squad as well. Yeah, Matt Penny. So he's not featured since the end of February. He's only made five appearances. I think three were starts, only five appearances. So we spoke on the bite-sized edition on um, Saturday about Elkin Baggett's move to, to Cheltenham not really working out. And I guess you'd class Matt Penny in the same bracket, wouldn't you? He was doing really well uh, up in Scotland. He was voted player of the month a couple of times, and we assumed it would be a mutual consent FC or a free transfer to join up there. But he got recalled, came back here for a, a few days, and I assume Charlton were willing to contribute more of his wage than than the previous loan deal. So I guess that's why he went down there. But he, he's barely featured, so it would be he, he can't play against us. And I guess it would be a shock if he came back in for the remaining games of the season, given he's not their player. And the fact he's made very little impact means they're unlikely to sign him. And then Macaulay Bond, obviously we kind of, you know, first half of last season is amazing and we all want to sign him in the January window and it drops off in the second half of the season. He goes back to QPR, isn't involved there, mutual consent FC and, and signs for, for Charlton, but only two goals in 15 appearances. Those two goals, to be fair, have come in the last two home games. So maybe he's on a bit of a up and running and a bit of a, a bit of a role. There are complaints on the, the socials and the forums about his offside issues, 10 offsides in 15 appearances, as we well know, I think, he used to bug Dave something rotten, didn't it, on the, the flagships. He'd be kind of bemoaning the, the decision-making when he was in a, an offside position. But he's, yeah, he's, he's out. It was a short-term deal until the summer. And I guess it'll be interesting where he goes because at this age, he should be coming into his peak years. And unfortunately for him, after an amazing first half of the season last year at his boyhood club, it's all just kind of dropping away a bit for him, isn't it? Yeah, it's a shame, but I'm sure he'll be wanting to be involved on Saturday, won't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Unlikely, I mean, if... if, if Lee Byrne is out with the knee injury. The likelihood is that Macaulay Bond will probably start in that central kind of position. They've got another player, Daniel Carney, I think it is, who's the the younger, the youngest kind of third choice striker. Um, but I think that would be a, that would be a bit of a back from the fire throwing him in at Portman Road. So Bond went off in the Easter Monday game, and there was some suspicion there was an injury, but it turns out it was more likely cramp. So I think the chances are he'd be okay for this one, either from the bench or from a start if Lee Byrne doesn't make it. Because yeah, there's other Jack Payne's an option, but he's suspended. Chuck Saniki suspended. And- Corey Blackett-Taylor uh, injured as well. So I'm glad Chucks and Ike's out. Do you remember the four-all gunner? We said we wouldn't mention it, but that four-all game, he came on and he kind of turned things. He was making the ball stick up front and he was just a big lump, Bully. wasn't he, that yeah, Wolfenden and, and Edmondson really struggled to deal with. So thankfully he's out and hopefully he won't feature. Should we do some stats? Because I think there's some stuff here that I think people look at the league table. We, know, we talked about the, the form, which I think is positive actually um, and bodes really well for them. But there's some... We'll focus on the away stats, but there's some stuff here that's interesting. Um, you know, we talked about the goals scored, not particularly great. 23 away goals is the 13th best in the league. Um, not too many from set pieces, so largely it's from open play. So there's no, you know, there's no real set piece. I always shudder when I say stuff like that. 
it's it's unlikely that there's a set piece threat, but you could never say never. Ten shots per game, seventeenth best, and only three of those are on target. Nineteenth best, and an away xG of one point one eight is the sixteenth best, and it chimes with the goals they're scoring. So they're not creating a huge amount of high quality chances away from home, and that kind of tells the story in terms of goals scored. But Seb, do you want to talk to us about the style of play because it's really like really high ranking stats here for them on their the way they play. And they were last time under Ghana. I remember when I was doing the um, the possession stats for the, the game back in October, I was surprised at how much of the ball they would have during games. They're, they're 54.3% possession away from the Valley, which is third in the league behind us. We're, we're top and Bolton, I think, a second. So they, they do like to keep the ball when they're away from home. 77.1% passing accuracy is second only to us. So again, that's very strong as well. 374 short passes per game is second again to us. I mean, we always talk about we're top of pretty much every metric in the league, aren't we? So no surprise that we're kind of leading the way. But they're, they're, they're not that far behind us at all. 68 long balls per game is the third least in the division behind Shock Horror again, us and MK Dons. Uh, nine interceptions per game is kind of the statistical anomaly. They're 14th for that, so that's not kind of a, a major focus of their game. But yeah, a short passing side that's pretty accurate, that will look to keep the ball. Expect to see Dobson heavily involved in that. Like I said earlier, he'll probably drop deep, pick the ball up off the off the uh, the centre-backs and, and, and try and sort of tick things over and keep things moving. So expect two kind of similar, I would suggest, styles of play in terms of possession and short passing. Yeah, that being said, I found another stat and I'll share this with you for next week because I thought I found it was fascinating. 33% of their away match action occurs in their third. That's the highest in the division, along with Milton Keynes, Dons, Forest Green, Lincoln and Cheltenham. So we, I know last week we were talking about, were we talking about Wickham Lambert and Cheltenham Ball. in that respect? Yeah. About how we were surprised at the number of short passes, you know, and we suspected it was because they kept they were doing Lambert ball and keeping yeah. the ball in their in their half. That might be the situation here. Thirty three percent of the time the ball is in their third. It's not going to be just the attacking team that's going to be doing that. It sounds like it's going to be them keeping the ball between their back four, five, depending on how uh, Holden plays. So maybe that's something to look out for. Um, we we are, we are the best in respect of the least amount of match action in our third. Only twenty seven percent of the time is spent in our third. So there you go as a comparison. So yeah, maybe lambable perhaps. Yeah, potentially. In terms of the defensive stats, um, away from home, twenty seven away goals conceded is the eleventh best. So pretty average. Um, only five goals conceded from set pieces. We love our set pieces. is is pretty good actually. Seventh best. No, but they're conceding pretty average amount of shots per game, 14. You know, they're good at keeping at catching teams offside, but <laughs> realistically, in terms of their away expected goals against, it's 1.5, which isn't too bad mid table And they've only conceded 1.35 on average game, goals per game. So they're conceding a little bit less than the chances that they're conceding, but nothing spectacularly bad there, Seb. Seb just pretty average isn't it in terms of the it explains stats. why they are if, if you take the possession and the short passing and the passing accuracy stats out of it all the other stats are pretty much mid-table aren't they which is yeah. reflection on where they are in the league so yeah in between two boxes i guess they'll knock the ball around nicely and keep possession and then yeah they're kind of meh in both boxes i would i would suggest to apart from raksaka yeah Apart from Raksaki here. Yeah. yeah. But as we know, you know, when you've got that quality player, like we, we had it, you know, we, we had um, Lawrence and Ryan Fraser and Johnny Williams first time around. When you've got that bit of quality up front, sometimes the rest of the team just simply look to give the ball to that person and let them work their magic, don't they? Indeed. One final stat before we take a little bit of a break. Um, they are, so in the away table, if you split the league table into away games only, at half time, they'd be 12th on the results they've got so far. In the second half, they're 22nd. So they really don't do well at holding on to their positions that they might have at half time. So it might be, again, a game of being patient, but certainly there's some hope there in respect, or not that we need hope, but you know what I mean? There's, an, there's, there's some form there that they maybe are not a second half team. So we shall see. Very interestingly, Poise, we'll be back to talk about us in a second. Can we talk about me? Innovation Labs is business hub and co-working space with strategic locations across Suffolk. Our aim is to foster innovation, entrepreneurship, business growth and the development of an AI centre of excellence in Suffolk. 
Monthly hot desks are available from just £79. For more info, head to innovationlabsgroup.com or contact info at innovationlabsgroup.com. Innovation Labs, providing support for businesses across Suffolk. Locations in Stowmarket, Ipswich, Sudbury, Woodbridge with more support. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So the debate really, Seb, is if not Broadhead, who, isn't it, for yeah. Town on Saturday? Your thoughts? Well, Harness obviously came in. I could see why. I think I said it on the flagship show, being an away game, he has that bit of energy that maybe you need when you're away from home. I think at home and, and given his second half performance, if Broadhead doesn't make it, then I'd like to see Edwards get a start personally. You know, he's direct. He's probably the most similar we've got to Broadhead in terms of running with the ball at his feet and causing, you know, that panic, you know, in, in fullbacks and, and opposition defenders. And yeah, I think he probably deserves a start. He was involved with the effort that her smashed against the bar. He had one he put wide, you know, himself. He drifted out in the, as, as the game went on because we stopped giving him the ball, which was, was strange. And I guess maybe he'll deserve a start at Portman Road. What would you do? Would you keep Harness and, and, and sort of let him play himself back into a bit of form or would you go for the more kind of maverick chaotic option that Edwards brings you maverick or goose yeah I I've been an advocate for harness but I was yep. really not impressed with his first half really disappointed me and frustrated me he, I mean he had that the chance didn't he where he goes through but he just get get on target and then the rest of the time I'm not really sure he I'm not sure he's a good replacement for broadheads they're different types of players for me yeah and I therefore bring in Edwards just for the jeopardy of it. And I assume he's got a little bit of confidence, probably more so than Harness. But I think, you know, it's not as if it's a choice that we have said, but you'd want Broadhead, wouldn't you, every day of the oh, week? Yeah. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully that's the situation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully he's fit. And it was just a knock. He rolled his ankle, didn't he, in the game against Wickham. So hopefully he's uh, fit, can come back in. And yeah, maybe maybe the two games, that and Port Vale, within such a short space of time, maybe a bit of a stretch for him, but yeah, hopefully get him through this one. And then maybe if you need to, you could dip him out against Port Vale because their, their forms kind of dropped off a cliff. So that might be the slightly easier of the two games. And the rest of the side, I assume like me, you'd agree pretty much. We say it every week, picks itself, itself doesn't it? Yeah. 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 They've had a few days off, haven't they? Since Monday. So no reason to, unless there's injuries that we don't know about. I don't think anyone was withdrawn in a surprising manner. So you don't think um, Ladapa doesn't deserve a start. You'd stick with Hurst, obviously. Yeah. I'd stick with Hurst. Yeah, 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 I agree. And I think that was the intention all along, by the way. Yeah. I think, I, you know, Freddie's had a great um, season, made really great contributions, but I think we all knew that as soon as Hurst came in, he was going to be the number one. So, yeah. Yeah. yes, we'll keep at it. And if you haven't been on Twitter on Thursday, um, where have you been? I mean, everything is happening on Twitter. Talk to us about this referee situation, sir, because it might change by the time we get to the weekend, mightn't it? 
Well, yeah, it sounds like the club have commented, uh, the club have contacted the EFL for clarification because the, the referee has been appointed, James Bell, is a self-confessed, self-confirmed Sheffield Wednesday fan. I think it came out in a game last season between Plymouth and Sunderland um, where he said afterwards, yeah, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan. And then, yeah, bizarrely, it's not a great look for the EFL. I'm in no way suggesting that James Bell would do anything untowards. You know, they're professionals. And I guess at the start of the season, they have to declare who they support. And therefore, at that point, it should be passed over to the EFL to make the correct decisions it doesn't look good for them to appoint you know a, 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 a direct fan of a side that we're going head to head for for promotion to the league above in, in charge of a crucial game i assumed given the outcry on on twitter and the you know twtd reporting it i assume they'll make a uh, a swift change and he he won't take charge of the game it would be it'd be strange if he still did and it's just a strange appointment i don't know how it got to that stage i'm sure it might be just an administration error within the, within the efl i kind of feel story for him to an extent because yeah i mean he's a professional none of us knew about it no and i'm sure hopefully the game happens without controversial incident and it doesn't matter at all and because he's a professional and i think all of us have these situations where we might change jobs and we might might end up dealing with a former uh, employer of ours or you know you, you deal with a friend and you generally unless you're a really dodgy individual Generally, you try to keep things above board. And to an extent, I wonder whether he might have been more inclined to demonstrate his neutrality by maybe erring on the side of us, perhaps. I don't know. But it just feels like a circus now, which is just unfortunate. And that's why you change it, right? Yeah, the preparation for him, is it's not fair on him. And, you know, at this point, if he makes a, a call that's even remotely, you know, kind of you know, un- unwise, shall we say, then then he'll get pelters for it and he'll be remembered for it for ages. So it's not fair for him to be put in that that position. You know, all it will take is a penalty or a disallowed goal that on 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 hindsight with replay was turned out to be an incorrect call. And the poor guy, you know, it could really affect his his career moving forward because he'll always be remembered as that Sheffield Wednesday fan referee that potentially could have, you know, aided Ipswich in their in their oh, sorry, aided Sheffield Wednesday in their mm. cru- uh, course of promotion against us. So so yeah, I, I don't think it's fair on him. I would expect a, a swift change. Or maybe they'll just make him the fourth official or something, you know, and put him a bump yeah. something else to the to the centre circle for the for the kickoff and stuff. That would that would be the logical thing to do, I guess. Yeah, but now the fan base is aware of it, aren't they? So whoever comes in is gonna get scrutinized, isn't it? And it's, it's the trouble with these margins that we talk about, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't reflect well on the EFL, I don't think. No. I've got, you know, no, no issue no. with with James Bell. He's a professional, but the EFL, that, that kind of stuff shouldn't happen. You know, as soon as you declare your allegiances at the start of a start of a season, then the EFL supercomputer or administrative staff, they, Super, they shouldn't yeah. they shouldn't allow this kind of stuff to happen, especially at this stage of the season. You know, if this is game week two, it doesn't really matter, obviously. But you know, with five games to go, we've got a game in hand over Wednesday. We're two points is it behind them you know at no point can a self-confirmed Sheffield Wednesday fan take charge of one of our games bad form EFL bad form and I think he's only I think I read this greatly on TWTD message board he's ref two town games before and both of them were yeah the record is awful as, yeah it's awful so that, yeah. I mean that's not you know that's helpful as well let's was so, one of them Barrow I think wasn't Barrow it? and Northampton yeah. the three North <laughs> yeah. Northampton so, so. Every, that's the real quiz, yeah. That's, that's the reason the, I want. That's the reason I want rid of him, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. It'll be interesting to see who we've got in the middle come three o'clock on Saturday. Um, but you know what will happen? We'll get somebody that will give an awful decision. They'll, oh yeah, we'll get a new ref. A blatant penalty won't be given. McCauley yeah, ball, ball over, the line over the ninety-third minute from an offside position, and it'll be allowed to stand or something. And we'll all be bemoaning the fact that poor James Bell didn't take it instead. <laughs> let's not clip that one up. Um, before 3 p.m. on Saturday, you could, you should, as always, head to the Greyhound because they're our partner for the pre-match show, but more because uh, Saturday's game is the annual ITFC Foundation fixture where they aim to raise awareness of what the, um, the foundation does in the community. And the Greyhound is donating 50p per pint to the ITFC Foundation from anyone who, from the number of pints, and I don't know if that includes water on soft drinks but certainly alcoholic beverages uh, 50p from each of them are going to the foundation courtesy of dan at the greyhound so if that's not any reason if that's not a reason to support the greyhound and or the foundation i don't know what is and they'll be um collect doing collections for the foundation at the pub and then the foundation will be around the stadium as well so um give the greyhound and the foundation your support on saturday um other bits and pieces of 
pluggery as always telegram head over there match day chat will be in action if you're unable to get to portman road and tickets are getting harder and harder to come by so match day chat really great way to stay in touch with the goings on at portman road also in terms of blue monday content that we're going to keep it coming it's relentless uh, we have had uh, midweek live q a with craig and joe are still available flagship show back on sunday at the normal time 8 p.m get involved in the live chat with Ben and Dave, the old, old podcast school. founders, old the OGs. So join them. And we mentioned it on the top as well. Mikey and Seb and maybe a sweaty me. Well, that's, if that's not a reason to come for that show, then I don't know what is as well. Port Vale, Tuesday night, straight after the game. Join us for that one as well. And as always, leave us a review. Thank you to everyone who's done that recently. Um, give us a thumbs up and a subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. YouTube numbers are great. But we also love our podcast folks as well. So we, um, we appreciate you too. Please do leave us a review. And I think, Seb, I can't leave it any longer. Let's do some predictions. So, Ben Bloom in the host chair for the last round. Um, Our mate Neil on Telegram stepping in as well. And success for Telegram. Two correct scoreline predictions there for Morecambe, Plymouth and Oxford v Sheffield Wednesday is enough to give Telegram their fourth round victory of the season and ben's got enough to get second place with the forest green derby score and seb back down to earth when i'm not here you don't turn up not bothered not don't bothered care. no you're, you're, okay you're like every team that beats ipswich i'm cambridge i'm oxford yeah all don't of care. those yeah you raise Wickham myself on the big occasion away. the following week don't care mate yeah you're ben garner after getting <laughs> sent off at the valley aren't you let's have a look at where we're going this weekend a big one at lunchtime said what's your thoughts about Plymouth playing first does it matter I was wondering this when I saw because I, I didn't realize it was, it was a lunchtime kickoff until I did my submissions for the prediction show I don't know I mean is it is it a bonus is it is it put the pressure on them I don't I think I'd rather go first personally sort of you know set your stall out and then kind of say to the chasing pack there you go. We've done our bit. Off you go. So I think I'd like to. Yeah, I don't mind that. I'd like to go first. I think and kind of lay down a marker, so to speak. Lay down a marker for the for the rest of the league. But we've both got a draw, haven't we? Different score yeah, lines. Well, We're both going uh, for more drop points by Plymouth. It's a local derby. Yes, that's, uh, that's what I'm basing it on. And I thought, I thought Didn't X- they run them really quite close. Yeah, Home the Park was it? Park. Two four two, but two, two late but the, goals. Yeah, the two late and, goals I think skewed it. I yeah. think Exeter took the lead twice, didn't they? As well, I think they did one nil up and then two one. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Yeah. Um. So come on, Rakeem, Rakeem yeah, the dream player of the season, Harper to smash in the the the, the winner in the 90th minute would be lovely scenes. Agent Harper, um, fair play to Neil. He's going for an Exeter victory there. So that would be maybe even more wishful thinking. But it is the it is the flip side of your. Um, you're laying down a marker. You're, um, are we only setting your stall out, by the way, to your Sebisms, by the way? Are we? Um, That's I, thing, I don't obviously. know. I'm just putting it out there. But if if you lose or drop points, do you not galvanise Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich? Is, Maybe. Is yeah, potentially. Yeah. I just want to play them all at the same time if I was any of the three. But hey-ho. You know, there's nothing we can really do about anyone else's games from miles away, can we? We just need to worry about ourselves. We've all got Sheffield Wednesday continuing their resurgence. So Burton, tricky opposition, aren't they? And recently beat Barnsley with a bit of fortune, perhaps. Yeah, but- I mean, it was just because of the handball that wasn't spotted on the line in that one, I think. That, although I know they won 2-0, but yeah, I think they had, they had that been spotted and the penalty is given, it's a very, very different game. But Wednesday kind of bounced back with a 3-0 win against Accrington, didn't they? So I, I think they'll probably get back on it now. And we're expecting Barnsley to win to nought to nil as well away at Forest Green. Forest Green get relegated this weekend? Oh, I don't know. Is it is that okay? Haven't yeah, I guess we're maths. in that time of yeah, in that time of year now, aren't we? Tis the season. I should have put the league table up. So apologies for riffing on this as we go. But they are how many points from safety? Wow, they are fourteen points from safety. Oh, definitely because of the forty-one games. So I yeah, think okay. that might be it for them. Yeah. Um, farewell, Forest Green. Maybe. Maybe this might be the last time we ever play him. Who knows? Finally, though, the big one. I mean, there's games elsewhere very quickly. Peterborough, Cambridge is a bit of a derby match, isn't it? We've all, well, you're going for a Peterborough win in that one. I think yeah. I think Cambridge might turn up and Cambridge have a little bit of a rally, haven't they, of late? So I'm hopeful that Cambridge might Peterborough in form, though, aren't they? They're, they're, they're really doing 
They've always yeah. got goals in that side. I mean, that game against them is looming on the horizon now, isn't it, next weekend? Yeah, um, so I'd want so... to yeah, knock them off their stride a little bit. So okay. Cambridge, uh, it's a derby for them, isn't it, just as much as the Ipswich game was for them. So maybe they'll turn up for that one, um, the shithouses that they are. <laughs> I like Cambridge fans. A derby away at Bristol Rovers. We're expecting a tough trip to Bristol Rovers. They are decent at home, aren't they? Yeah. And, and frustrate teams. Uh, though uh, Neil and the Telegram group not expecting Bristol Rovers to do any favours for them. Wickham, we're all a bit confused about Wickham and same with Bolton actually. Oxford might be a tricky place to go but we're all predicting a two goal margin win but you think Charlton will score like Neil does? Yeah, Raksaki. <laughs> He's a quality player. Now, they've got goals in the side, Raksaki and Lieburn up front. And yeah, Scott Fraser maybe come back to Portland Road looking to make a point. So yeah. I think we'll win. I've, I've gone for the 3-1, the, the um, but I think we, we might concede and that's, that's not a bad thing. You think we'll get back on the saddle with the clean sheets again, do you? I think McKenna will want to do that. Yeah, I think we'll be really keen to do that. So it might not be as expansive and open as we might do. And given we're not playing in Cheltenham, the, the, what is it, the Suzuki, the completely Suzuki? Suzuki what yeah. was it? Completely Suzuki Stadium. Yeah, as opposed to the partially Suzuki Stadium. Um, <laughs> because I think conditions are more likely to be in our favour. And hopefully the yeah. weather as well. I, I think McKenna will want a clean sheet and that will be the message. So hopefully that isn't at the expense of scoring goals down the other end but I just kind of I have that sense but and I think McKenna will want to keep a clean sheet knowing that Charlton hit four past us in the in the previous game as well so I think that narrative might be in his head whether he whether he achieves it is another thing altogether so we shall see we'll be back next week to see how we've got on and it's getting yeah, we're running out of weeks to predict. It's not long. Yeah, not long to go at all now, is it? We've got this weekend, then the Peterborough weekend, Exeter at home, that uh, penultimate weekend of the season, and Fleetwood away. Yeah, it's really ticking off now, isn't it? We'll have two consecutive three-game weeks, won't we? We've got this, Port Vale, and Peterborough, and then we're Barnsley away, obviously, in between Peterborough and Exeter. So the games are coming thick and fast. But isn't it great to be involved in it at last, rather than thinking, all right, well, we're going to finish 11th, and maybe there's a couple of academy prospects we could give a debut to, and wonder what we'll do next season. Yes, it's a much better way to, to have it. I know it might be a bit tetchy and nervous and fraught for the remaining five, six games of the season, but it's much better to be involved than to be sat outside looking in. Yeah, enjoy yourselves. I think that's the way to think about it. Certainly spot on seven. Yeah, we'd have given anything to be involved in it. Last season, we are now. Pack out Portman Roads. Get get behind the team. You know, there will be ups and downs. Don't, that's my favourite word, don't catastrophize. You know, it's everything is on until it's not. So there you go. That's the message from Seb and I. And we'll be back to see how we got on with, with our predictions next week. It reminds me, are you available next week, Seb? Have you made your? Are you available for selection for the podcast? Yeah, for next week. No, I, I'm not for the pre-match show. I'm not. No, I'm yeah. heading back to Suffolk on Thursday night, and I'm not available on Friday night either because I'm down there. So, unfortunately, someone will have to step in. I can still do the research. Don't worry about that. But a much well, no, wiser. I don't, I don't care about that. I can do the research. I'm just more, if uh, in terms of selection dilemmas, who would you pick? to be in your place who's got the best the record rest- ben's got a pretty strong record do you want to get do you want to tap up ben to be the yeah contributor yeah i can't think what the re- respective records are joe when joe was on you lost to wickham i think that was the pre-christmas defeat to wickham so we might have to cast him as a a, a bit of a pre-match show curse so we'll, we'll find somebody yeah. suitably who can come and sit in for me and um and yeah hopefully there'll be a lucky child well maybe we'll cancel it maybe it's just our thing no we won't we'll keep no, it going because yeah, ben had it going Maybe you should go. just do it. Just just you for just an me. hour. Yeah. yeah. Just talk for an hour and just do that. And then, it, yeah. If you want a, um, a me only pre, don't let me know that. <laughs> don't let me. I don't know. I, I can't imagine anything worse for a lot of people. Seb, thank you as always for your research and your predictions. <laughs> Very much appreciate that. Thank you, everyone who's made it this far as well. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up on YouTube, a subscribe if you haven't already, and um, give us a five star review. Why not on our podcast, on your podcast? app of choice we thank the greyhound we thank innovation labs for their continued support go and support the greyhounds fundraising for the itfc foundation and i think seb i think that's all i've got to say apart from join the guys for the flagship show i think we've done good business just less than an hour as well nice efficiency any any final thoughts from you 
No, I guess it comes back to me because we had you doing it, and obviously okay. the, Chel- the Cheltenham draw changes things. So I assume it now flip reverses to me. So I'll keep it short and short and sweet. Just just win. Doesn't matter how you do it. Just win. Thank you to FPL Tractor again for yep. his insights and his hard work with the research. Much much appreciated. Beat Charlton, beat Port Vale, and we'll be top of the league going into the Peterborough game. Come on, you Blues! The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there, offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.